and we are joined right now by an NFL Network insider. He is the co-host of the Insiders streaming weekdays, noon to 1 p.m. Eastern on NFL+. Plus. Also a Sirius XM NFL radio host, he is Tom Pellicero. Tom, it is great to have you back. Always good to have you on the show. Tom, how are things? Great to be here, Jim. We're past the trade deadline, so I got like 20% of my life back. It's a, it's a good time to be alive. <laughs> yeah, right. It's got to feel great. I'm going to ask you about that in a minute, but first let me ask you about what's going on in Vegas. Josh McDaniels becomes the first NFL head coach to get fired this year, and it happened in the middle of the night. Obviously, they had issues on the field. That was pretty apparent. But ultimately, big picture, Tom, how did it go so wrong so quickly for McDaniels in Vegas? Jim, somewhere deep in the NFL Network archives, maybe even on this show, too, I remember saying, coming off of the hiring of Josh McDaniels, which, listen, he'd been a coveted guy for several years. He had the Colts opportunity that he took and then decided he wasn't going. This was considered a coup in a lot of corners. My concern, as somebody who knows Josh and knows what he believes in in football, was just when you come from that New England program and you take over a team that had just been to the playoffs – and then you start making moves like adding Devontae Adams and adding Chandler Jones, people are thinking right away, it's Super Bowl or bust. When the reality is when you come up under Bill Belichick and when you learn a certain way of doing things, none of the guys who come out of that Patriots program just think, okay, we're going to take what we've got and add a little more. No, it's about stripping the culture down. It's about weeding out the people who don't fit. It's about coming and making sure that you've got the right people in the building to build sustained success. Well, when you got Max Crosby on your team and Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs and then Derek Carr, who, of course, they move on from in the offseason to bring in Jimmy Garoppolo, who's a Patriots guy, bring in Jacoby Myers, who's a Patriots guy. You're just doing things a little bit differently and you're under a different microscope than you'd been if McDaniels had taken over a four or five win team and really had that opportunity to build it the right way. You have players in that building who. Listen, you got a lot of different personalities, but guys remember all they overcame in 2021. John Gruden resigning on a Monday night, Henry Ruggs going to jail, Damon Arnett getting cut for waving around a gun and threatening to shoot people. That's what the Raiders were, and they still got to the playoffs. For Josh McDaniels, it was always going to be an uphill battle to be able to get that buy-in. As Mark Davis talked to players in recent weeks here, it became apparent that this was not what the Raiders have been in the past, which, quite frankly, Mark Davis should have known, knowing where he was hiring Josh McDaniels from. But he did something, Jim, that made me think a lot of his dad, Al. I remember somebody said to me on Monday night or texted me, Al wouldn't have let Josh McDaniels get on the plane. Well, Josh got to take the plane home, but within 24 hours, he was gone. And now let's see if Mark channels his dad in terms of who the next head coach of the GM of the Raiders are. Tom Pellicero, that is such a fascinating response right there. I'm going to follow you on what you just ended that with. But going back to that point about Josh McDaniels and coming out of that Patriot culture. Hey, Tom, is that the reason why no assistant from Bill Belichick has ever really done anything after leaving Belichick? Or is it because none of them had Tom Brady? I think there's a variety of reasons for it, Jim. I think that one of the reasons that guys out of the Patriots program continue to get jobs or have in recent years is the fact that Bill really does train them to do everything. If he identifies somebody, take a Joe Judge, he's going to give you more opportunities. He's going to have you coach different positions. He's going to bring you into certain meetings and teach you what it's like to put together a program. The issue, and certainly, listen, Tom Brady, the greatest player who's ever lived, has an impact on everyone that he's around. But a lot of it is the culture. You're bringing people in to establish something new and you're trying to channel what they built in New England. And that is hard because you're talking about guys who somewhere along their lives, whether it was in college, whether it's in the NFL, they have won. 
And when they look around and they see some of the better players on the team getting shipped off, it raises certain questions. It's a long-term type of build in an environment that increasingly, Jim, is all about short-term results. And as much as we might think that, okay, the things I say on TV, the things that you say on your show, the things that fans are tweeting constantly, the things that people are screaming at Mark Davis, none of that should matter. But it all matters. And when owners are looking around at what other teams are doing, look at the type of moves that they might be making at the trade deadline, look at how they're building their programs, there is a natural willingness a natural leaning toward well i'm not seeing these short-term results i gotta make the move now again this is what al davis would have done let's see how mark davis now moves forward i saw the comments he gave to the athletic earlier today saying the last couple times he was really honed in on one person it was john gruden he tried to hire three times it was josh mcdaniels this time mark said this time i'm going to try to have a non-prejudiced view in terms of how i'm going through this process but you know jim what being a raider is all about it's about yeah, there's a little bit of renegade to it, but it's also, you look through their history, it's about people who knew what being a Raider was all about. I would not be surprised at all, and we'll see how Antonio Pierce and Champ Kelly do, but I would not be surprised at all if Mark Davis looks somewhere for somebody who's got Raiders lineage in their blood to be the general manager, have that person run the organization, and then go figure out who is that young Hot shot, offensive coach. We're going to get a bunch of fast guys. It's going to be Star Wars out there in the Death Star. How do we light up the scoreboard? Tom Pelissero joining us. All right, I could keep going on the Raiders, but I want to move on to something else. So the Deshaun Watson saga continues in Cleveland. After missing three starts with that shoulder injury, he was able to practice on a limited basis yesterday. What are you hearing about his availability for Sunday's game against the Cards? And then secondarily, Tom, how is this playing within the organization, this internal thing like that's a lengthy absence that he's had what do they think about that internally I think that again Jim part of what has sort of cast this in a certain light for Deshaun Watson besides of course the fact that people have opinions about Deshaun Watson for a variety of different reasons is just the way that this was messaged from the start some things that were reported some things that were said to in particular it was initially reported that Deshaun Watson had a shoulder bruise when I think shoulder bruise I think hey I got up in the dark in the middle of the night and whacked my shoulder on the door frame when I was trying to go to the bathroom right you're not thinking it's a significant injury to the rotator cuff it's causing weakness it's it's causing pain, and he couldn't throw a football. As much as he told the team, hey, I think I'll be good to go by Sunday, he got out on the field for that first game after the injury, couldn't throw the ball more than 10 yards, and he wasn't out there. The second part of it was when, after that game, Kevin Stefanski was asked a question about was Deshaun Watson medically cleared? And Stefanski's response was, well, yeah, he was medically cleared, but he decided that we, you know, in concert with us, that he couldn't go. People said, whoa, so that's Deshaun Watson pulling himself off the field. No. That's Stefanski hearing what I'm sure, educated guess in his mind, he thinks is a dumb question because you don't work out a guy three hours before the game if he's not medically cleared. But Justin Fields is probably medically cleared right now. It doesn't mean he can grip a football. Same thing for Matthew Stafford. With Deshaun Watson, he's medically cleared. In other words, if he was functional enough to go play, he's not at risk of some other injury. He tried to push it for a couple of weeks, wasn't able to get there, play briefly against the Colts, bang the shoulder again. Now they're trying to give him a little bit of time here. This injury, it's a subscap uh, muscle strain. And see, if you get that in baseball pitchers where it's more common, it's like four to six weeks. We're right about six weeks now. Sean Watson limited in practice on Wednesday. We'll see what the injury report says Thursday and Friday. If he's not full go in both those practices, it's probably another week of P.J. Walker this week against the Cardinals. If he starts to ramp up, 
then we'll see. And maybe is it limited exposure? They got to figure out exactly how to move forward here with Deshaun Watson, make sure and make sure that he's 100 percent on board, feeling like he can be Deshaun Watson on the field. We are talking to Tom Pelissero. We will do so for another moment or two. I appreciate those thoughts. Hey, Tom, what about the Vikings? Like, they're playing better ball. They win three straight, but then everything changed, obviously. When Kirk Cousins went down with that torn Achilles, he was playing really good ball. He was having a really good season. If you had to guess, and apparently the surgery went well, where do you think that leaves him? Do you think he'll be in a place where he wants to put in the time and the grind and come back? Will we see him again? And if so, where? 100%. I would tell you Kirk Cousins will be back. I'm not big on making bets into the future, Jim, but if I had to place one right now, I'd say Kirk Cousins is back in Minnesota in 2024. Kevin O'Connell's already expressed that publicly, that he would like Kirk to be back. You know, come free agency time, Cousins will be about four, four and a half months removed from surgery. So he should be pretty far along in the process where other teams examining that reconstructed Achilles are going to feel good about the progress that he's making. Cousins, you said it. Just playing lights out football. And this is why Kevin O'Connell has coached Kirk Cousins as hard as he has over the couple of years they've been together. And then going back to the Washington days as well, as O'Connell always knew this was in there and Kirk could play at this high of a level. If you're the Vikings now in the short term, you're also looking around and saying, okay, we got Jordan Addison as a rookie of the year candidate. We finally got TJ Hawkinson rolling. Cam Akers has brought something they sorely needed in that backfield defensively, they're playing way better, and they completely disrupted the Packers a week ago. You just got to figure out, okay, can we figure out something to do with the quarterback position with Justin Jefferson likely coming back in the coming weeks as well, where we can still push to be a playoff team for a second year in a row? I would tell you, Jim, they explored a lot of different options in terms of potential free agents, in terms of potential trades. But any of the speculation about, oh, go trade for Kyler Murray, for instance, they weren't going to do that. Kyler Murray's got a couple of years of fully guaranteed money going out into 2025. They were not going to do anything that limited their options come March in terms of how they proceed at the quarterback position. And make no mistake, still at the forefront of those discussions, including the possibility of drafting a quarterback in April, is Kirk Cousins coming back, back from the injury, and trying to play at the same level that he was at the start? All, all great stuff. Tom, really quickly, and I'll let you go. You mentioned the Packers. What did you make of what Brian Gutekunst said about Jordan Love when he said, quote, the next or the next 10 games are going to be, quote, very important? I mean, that would stand a reason, right? He started the year really well. He's tailed off. Internally, do they feel like they have a long-term solution? Or should we take that at face value? Maybe do they not know yet? How do you think that plays out? Well, knowing Goody, he's doing his best, Jim, to give you a non-answer answer right there because he's never going to reveal exactly what he's actually thinking. But I think that also, yeah, that's that's the reality of it. You have to look at this from a contractual perspective. They extended Jordan Love before the season, were able to get him for another year, so they've got him. They didn't pick up the fifth-year option. They did a new one-year deal that got him a raise this year, kept him under contract for 2024. So as you're trying to make long-term decisions, you probably don't want to go along and continue to do one-year type extensions. Jordan Love probably doesn't want that either. It's either, okay, this is the guy and we're going to extend him long-term, or maybe he's not and we've got to keep our options open. I would say this in defense of Jordan Love and in defense of Matt LaFleur, who for a guy who won more games than any coach in NFL history in his first three seasons, has faced a lot of criticism. They went into the season. I remember going through there in training camp and watching it, and you could see it with such a young group at the skill spots that there was always going to be growing pains. you got a first-time starting quarterback in Jordan Love. Every single one of your wide receivers is in their first or second year. Both your tight ends are rookies. Your stability, you hoped, the veterans you hoped were going to step up, were going to be Aaron Jones, who's barely played because of a hamstring, 
David Bakhtiari, who's barely played because of a knee and is most likely out for the season, and Elton Jenkins, who's been in and out of the lineup because of his own injury issues. So you've got a completely young group. You've got no continuity in terms of who's on the field from week to week. And listen, every team's got injury issues. There's no question about it. But it, it would be a lot different if you had Jordan Love on the field and throw into a bunch of veteran wide receivers and it wasn't working. This whole unit needs time to grow together. They're not completely out of the playoff chase at this point. Let's see if they can at least build a little momentum, keep some of these guys on the field, and get rolling the way we've seen the Packers do in the past. My man, you are on it. You are locked. He is an NFL Network insider. He's the co-host of the Insider Streaming Weekdays, noon to 1 p.m. Eastern on NFL Plus, and a Sirius XM NFL radio host. He is Tom Pelissero. Tom, really appreciate that. Great, great content. Great stuff. Thanks for doing it. Have a great day. Love being here, Jim. Thanks, man. You're the best, dude. Really strong. Really, really good. Tom Pelissero shows up like that every single time. Such good insight and information, especially on the Raiders. I thought what he had to say about Josh McDaniels was really interesting about coming from a culture, the Patriot way and coming in and saying, hey, listen, we're going to do it our way. We know this way. This is our way. Yeah, but their way won 10 games. Their way got them in the postseason. Yeah, well, we're doing it a different way right now. Yeah, but it ain't broke. It is now. And I love Josh.